Cleveland County 911. I don't know if I should have called this in or not, but... What's going on? If I'd have a camera, I'd take a picture of it. Take a picture of who? I don't know what, I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. I would not kill it because I was afraid to. But he went back up the mountain. Come on, say bye. You are listening to the Bigfoot Gumbo Podcast, where we focus on topics like cryptids, the paranormal, and UFOs. But to mix it up, we will also cover things like current events, entertainment, food, mysteries, and other interesting things. From Bigfoot to Boudin, we got you covered like a big pot of gumbo. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of Bigfoot Gumbo. I have a great show for you today and I also like to report that October has been the best month for Bigfoot Gumbo as far as audience. Um, I started this podcast in May of this year, 2019, and it has grown each month but the month of October has really been our best month. Um, Every show I've done has gained more listeners and I just want to thank all of you for tuning in and spending your time with our podcast. I'd also like to ask any of you listening out there to send me an email and let me know what you think of the show and I'll read your email on a future podcast. So I hope to hear from some of our listeners and I'd like to put those on a future show. So again, thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. Here's some news about our podcast, Bigfoot Gumbo. I have some great news I wanted to report to all of our listeners. Bigfoot Gumbo is now on Twitter. That's right, folks, we've gone high tech. So if any of you out there have a Twitter account, please follow Bigfoot Gumbo so you can get up-to-date news about our podcast. And please share this news with all of your friends. Thanks, everyone. I'm excited to bring you another Bigfoot encounter, and this one is called Bigfoot Encounter at British Columbia Rest Stop, and it happened back in 2008. And the person who reported this sighting states the following. It was 2008. My family lived in rural Nevada, and my dad was hunting a hunting guide and convinced my mom to move up to Alaska. We made the 3,000 mile drive along the Alaskan highway through Canada, spending a particularly large amount of time enjoying the Yukon Territory. We had three vehicles, all large trucks with trailers full of stuff. 
if you've driven along the Alaskan Highway, there's lots of very large rest areas. My dad built an enclosure atop his tailgate of the truck and built a room with windows in it so my brothers and I could hang out and not be strapped into a seat the whole drive. My dad, being an avid hunter, had some real trouble getting his 30-plus guns through customs into Canada, but once we were cleared, he kept a 500 caliber revolver bear protection in the cab with him. It was so late, I don't know what time about, but it was incredibly dark outside, and we stopped at a rest stop somewhere outside of the Lord Hot Springs, British Columbia area, give or take 50 miles. I was young. We were all asleep when all of a sudden we heard several gunshots coming from inside the cab of the truck. My mom was hysterical and the other driver of the other vehicle was outside with a shotgun. My dad and him approached the edge of the cleared rest area. All I could see was a very dense wall of trees. I didn't get to see it, but when they had parked, the lights were on and illuminating the wall of forest. My dad was just looking ahead when all of a sudden he realized an immensely large figure was standing perfectly still just at the edge of the tree line. He didn't notice it though until it stepped towards our truck. He recalls its eyes being incredibly green and the reflection of the headlights made its eyes almost glow. My mom and the other driver's girlfriend were in the porta potty just to the left of the trucks. So my dad immediately pulled out the revolver and started shooting as he was terrified the figure was going towards the porta potties. After the first shot was fired, he said he'd never seen an animal react so fast and with such ease. I think about this night a lot and figured I'd get the story out there. Some extras from the story was that it was not a bear whatsoever. My dad had been a seasonal traveling hunting guide for a few years at this point and had bagged several bears from black to brown to grizzly. We've driven that road several times since this night and we've been back and forth between Alaska and Nevada for years since and have not had another encounter. Still gives me insane chills though. The witness also had this to say. He says, my father is a guide. You can't just trek into the Alaskan wilderness hoping to bag an animal considered big game in Alaska. A lot of people die this way, especially given the people who can actually afford to do this style of hunting are typically very inexperienced with the brutal Alaskan wilderness and many haven't even bagged a big game animal before. Many of these trips involve a four to five man crew flying out in a tiny float plane into the northern Alaskan wilderness 
for at least a month at a time. So yes, 30 plus guns allowed for many different scenarios and options. He also collected some black powder weapons too, so it isn't like he actually takes all the weapons. Only what was necessary for protection and whatever needed to bag whatever animals they were going for. If you aren't familiar with the bush of Alaska, it would be pretty impossible to understand the level of danger you are in just going on one of these trips. People die and go missing all the time. I went on one trip with him. I was 12. Let me tell you, worst trip of my life. I carried a 45 sidearm and a 12 gauge with slugs. I wasn't the one hunting, so it was all for protection. I spent the whole time basically beeping on myself. We were only feet from absolutely massive bull moose and the biggest brown bear I had ever seen. And when the shots are fired at a brown bear, they don't just drop and run like other animals. They want to kill you. Once the main shooter shoots first shot, there's a couple of seconds of hesitation to see what the animal will do. If it immediately approaches towards you, everyone starts firing. Very scary. I was trampled by a small mama moose just a couple of months before this trip, so my specific trauma with the big animals was at an all-time high too. So there you have it folks, the Bigfoot encounter at a British Columbia rest stop. And I want to thank Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters Pulse of the Paranormal for providing this story to Bigfoot Gumbo. I hope you enjoyed it. Bigfoot Gumbo would love to hear from you. Send us an email or join our forum if you have a story you would like to share with us. Your story may appear on a future podcast. Also, please help support us by liking us on social media and sharing us wherever you listen to your podcast. A nice rating would also be appreciated. Thanks for your support. So those of you who are fans of Bigfoot Gumbo know that I'm fascinated with the thylacine, also known as the Tasmanian Tiger. And we brought you a story on this supposedly extinct creature back on episode three of Bigfoot Gumbo called UFOs and Thylacine. Well, I'm happy to report that I have an update for you on this creature. More than 80 years after the last known sighting of a thylacine or Tasmanian tiger, many wonder if the striped carnivore, once Australia's top predator, continues to roam the state's vast, rugged wilderness. But a recent write 
to information document released by the Department of Primary Industries, Parks, Water, and Environment, also known as DPIPWE, has reignited imaginations of the marsupial's continued existence. This document features numerous accounts from farmers, bushwalkers, locals, and tourists, all claiming to have caught a glimpse of this mysterious creature between September 2016 and September 2019. The document can be found online if you're interested in searching for it. The Tasmanian government department received eight separate reports of thylacine sightings, some seen with cubs, often at dusk or dawn in the northern or western parts of the state. Some of these sightings included a pair of West Australian tourists traveling through Cornea in February last year on Tasmania's northwest coast reported they came across the creature when it walked in front of their hire car on the road before them. In April 2017, another motorist recounted a cat-like creature running across the road in front of his vehicle traveling at 100 kilometers per hour on the Marcheson Highway. In July this year, a bushwalker claimed to have sighted a footprint on the walk-up Sleeping Beauty Mountain, while a farmer believed he saw the marsupial on his Midlands property just days later. There have been no confirmed sightings of the thylacine in Tasmania for more than 50 years. DPIPWE occasionally receives reports of thylacine sightings, and while these are recorded, there is no evidence to confirm the thylacine still exists, it said. The department will continue to record information on reported sightings. So with all of these news reports being released, I feel it shows that the thylacine could definitely still exist in the wild. I will continue to bring you updates on the Tasmanian tiger. Maybe one day soon we'll get a story that proves without a doubt that this fascinating creature that supposedly went extinct in the 1930s is still alive and well. a classic Bigfoot encounter. Okay everyone, I'm excited to bring you another classic Bigfoot encounter and this one is from the Modesto Bee and was posted Sunday January 20th 1935 in this newspaper and the title of the story was Wild Man is Said to Rule Unexplored Empire. From Anchorage, Alaska on January 19, 1935, the story says, 
Out of the isolated district north of Bristol Bay comes a tale of the wild man of the Nushagak, a nebulous terror, jealousy, guarding an empire which, even on the larger maps, is an unexplored white patch with dotted lines for streams. Charles J. Dumbleton, sourdough prospector of many years in Yukon and Klondike Valley camps, told the story today after arriving by plane from a season of prospecting 120 miles from the nearest settlement. The wild man is believed in so firmly by the few men in the area that they have drawn a voluntary boundary to their northern trips. And while he has made no effort to investigate the wild man's authenticity, Dumbleton said he found trappers feared to venture beyond their own established frontier, the King Salmon River. He said the wild man, perhaps some creature crazed by loneliness, has been reported seen several times and is blamed for the disappearance of several men who have ventured into the region of the upper Nishigak and its tributaries the past several seasons. The wild man's empire is a vast region between the south-flowing upper Nashagak and the westward-flowing middle course of the Kushkokwim. In the early days of the Klondike Gold Rush, sourdoughs remembered Dumpleton drove in herds of cattle over the Dalton Trail from Haines to Selkirk, slaughtering them at the Selkirk and rafting the beat down to Dawson. Later he turned to mining, taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars in gold. He's still pursuing that will-o'-the-wisp of prospectors, luck and luring nuggets. So there you have it folks, another classic Bigfoot encounter going all the way back to January 19, 1935. I really find these old encounters fascinating because they prove this creature has been seen for a long time and these reports seem so genuine to me. This historical newspaper article was found by the late Scott McLean and was shared on the Bigfoot forums. I hope you enjoyed it. So remember, our world is still full of mysteries. And here on Bigfoot Gumbo, we'll keep searching for the answers. That does it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the show. Keep it spicy, everybody. And laissez le bon temps rouler. This show was produced by Fofale Productions. <laughs>